If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. I want to share with you today from Hebrews chapter 10. The 10th chapter of Hebrews, verse 19, a familiar portion of Scripture. I want to share that with you today. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. The title of my message today is Pressing In. Pressing In. The writer to the Hebrews begins this section of chapter 10 by referring to what he's written previously, earlier in the book and earlier in the chapter. And he begins with the word therefore, meaning he's making reference to what he has just written. And what he shares in these beginning verses, I want to focus particularly on verses 22 through 25 today, but in verses 19 through 21, he sets the premise for what he's going to say in the following verses. And he answers the question, what do we have in our favor as Christians? What do we have in our favor as Christians? And he shares with us two things that we have going for us. Isn't it nice to feel in any area of life that you have a few things going for you? <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, a lot of times we, we uh, you know, moan and complain about the things we have going against us. But I'm here to tell you today that as Christians, we have a few things going for us today. Amen? That's the understatement of the year. But he mentions two things specifically, as I said, in reference to what he's already said. The first thing we have in our favor as Christians is we have a way into God's presence. Before the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, of course, the, the Old Testament law prescribed that, that animals would have to be slain and their blood offered as a sacrifice for the sins of God's people. Now, we know the scripture teaches us uh, also in Hebrews that that was not a permanent uh, situation, but it, these animals were a prefigure 
of Christ who was the lamb who would be slain once and for all. And after Christ was slain, no more uh, lambs and, and, and animals needed to be slain and their blood shed for the forgiveness of sins because Christ died once and for all. Aren't you thankful for that? And see, under the Old Testament law, um, the, 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 on the Day of Atonement, the priest would go into the most holy place and there was a thick curtain that, that separated that from the temple proper. And no one but the high priest at the appointed time could go in past that curtain at penalty of death. And so uh, the common man was blocked from that place where the Ark of the Covenant, the, 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 the visible um, uh, symbol and the place where God manifests his presence. No one could go past that curtain. But the scripture says when Jesus was slain on the cross, that that curtain was torn from top to bottom, signifying that there was now access into God's presence. Aren't you thankful this morning? We have access to the very throne room of God. You know, there's a saying, you go straight to the top. We go straight to the top today, amen? amen. Hallelujah! What a blessing that is. We have access to the Father. We gain entrance uh, to the throne room of God. And he says the second thing, and, and let me elaborate first on that point in verse 20. We have access to enter the most holy place by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. In other words, uh, as the curtain was torn, the body of Christ was torn, symbolizing there is now access into the uh, presence of Almighty God. But the second thing we have going for us is a great high priest. Verse 21, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Uh, what, what, what does a priest do? He represents the people before God and offers sacrifices. And the high priest, uh, as I said, had that chief function on the Day of Atonement. And Jesus was not only the sacrifice for our sins, who opened up the way into the presence of the Lord, but he is also our high priest. The Bible says elsewhere he's ever, he's at the throne of God the Father ever interceding for us. Did you know that God, uh, the, the Son, Jesus Christ, is continually uh, praying for you before the Father? How much does it bless you when, when someone you know is a prayer warrior, they really pray, and they say, man, I'm praying for you. Does that bless you? Blesses me. How much greater a blessing to know that the Son of God is at the throne of the Father calling out your name, praying for you. Hallelujah. I would say we got a lot going for us, wouldn't you? And so the writer says, since we have these great blessings, we have access into the presence of the Father, we have a great high priest ever interceding for us. He says, what should our response be? And in verses 22 through 25, uh, there, there are a series of uh, things he gives us, ways to press in and take advantage of that. And he uses the phrase three times, let us, let us. This is what we need to do in response to what we have going for us. Years ago on the Merv Griffin show, and I know I'm dating myself even by mentioning that, but I'm not going to be, how many remember Merv Griffin? See, I'm not the, see young people, I'm not the only one. Years ago, he had a well-known bodybuilder on his show. 
And he was there without his shirt on, and he had muscles on muscles, on top of muscles, you know, one of those kind. And he was flexing and strutting, and the people in the, in the studio audience, they were clapping, they were going wild at this display. And Merv Griffin said, tell me, he said to this bodybuilder, what do you use those muscles for? And in response, he just flexed some more and strutted some more. And the people clapped. And he said, no, 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 I want to know, what do you use those muscles for? And he had no answer. Because all he used them for was just to show off, just to flex, just to get a reaction. And similarly, we have all of this going for us as Christians but how do we maximize the use of our spiritual advantages? How do we use our spiritual muscles, so to speak? How do we press the advantage? To use another illustration, uh, some of you football fans know when a, there, one of the toughest positions on the field is cornerback, not quarterback, but cornerback. Because he has to cover uh, the wide receiver, the fast receiver, who knows where he's going. Cornerback doesn't know, but he has to cover him and try and keep him from catching the pass. You know that? If you're a non-football fan, you got the idea. And at times, if a cornerback, especially the top cornerback on the team, gets injured, right, and has to go out of the game, a substitute cornerback will come in. Well, he's a substitute cornerback because he's not as good as the starting cornerback, right? So what does the offense do, especially a good quarterback? Guess where that first pass is going to go? To that receiver being covered by the substitute cornerback because he's not as good as the starting cornerback. In other words, we have an advantage now on offense. And we're going to throw to that receiver because the guy covering him is not as good as a starting guy. We have, we're going to take advantage of what we have. Church, we have a great advantage. We have so much going for us, a way into God's presence, a high priest who is representing us before the Father. Hallelujah. But what are we going to do about it? So the question I want to answer for the rest of today's message is this. How do we, quote, press in? and maximize our potential as Christians? How do we get the most out of what we have from God? The writer mentions three ways. He first says, first of all, let us draw near to God. We, we press in and maximize our potential as Christians, first of all, by getting close to God. Now, I know that sounds like a generic statement. We all, if I, if I said, how many want to get close to God, all our hands would go up. But he says, let us draw near. Let us get close. It's something we do. You know, instead of having the attitude, well, God is there, and I love him, and I raise my hands and sing songs on Sunday morning, and, and, and I put an offering, and yeah, you know, I do all. No, but do we get close to him? Do we press in? And, and, and that's the title of this message. I think that we need to press in. Get close to God. And he gives four qualifiers to that. He says, first of all, with a sincere heart. Draw near with sincerity. The Greek word for sincere literally means without wax. Because there would be ancient works of art, ancient uh, statues or, or busts of famous individuals. And if they get a dig in them or a gouge in them, so the quick repair was to take wax 
and fill in the, the gouge to fix it. But of course, if it was ever out in the sun, that wax would melt. It, it, it wasn't the real thing. It wasn't the real material. And that's the, 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 the word that's used here, sincere, without wax. In other words, with, without fakery, drawing close to him like we mean it. I was, I, I, was, I was watching a game last night, and I saw several commercials for this, this kind of, I, I guess it was hot sauce. And the tagline was, sauce like you mean it. <laughs> and it came, played, went several times, sauce like you mean it. I would say, draw near to God like you mean it. Because if we're not sincere, if we're going through the motions, and let's face it, we've all gone through the motions at times, right? But God knows. Draw near to God. Get close to God with a sincere heart like you mean it. He says, secondly, in confident faith, in, in full assurance of faith. Call somebody up on the phone, you don't know if they're going to answer. You call on God, he answers. Not most of the time, all the time. Call on him like he's there. Draw near to him. He said in one place in the, in the Old Testament, while you are seeking me, I will be found of you. God doesn't play hide and go seek. God doesn't hide himself from us. God doesn't run. We run from him, don't we? We take vacations from him, from seeking him, from going to church, from reading God's word, from doing the things that are part of our Christian uh, life. We, 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 we take breaks, we fall away, we grow cold, we run away. He doesn't run away. Draw close to him in confident faith. And thirdly, having a guilt-free conscience. He says our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Sprinkled with what? The blood of Jesus. There's only one thing that can uh, clear a guilty conscience. It's applying the blood of Jesus Christ. It's asking for forgiveness. It's receiving forgiveness. Hallelujah. John said in his epistle, if, if we draw, if, if um, I write to you that you sin not, but if you sin, uh, I, I, I tell you to confess your sins because we have an advocate with the Father Christ Jesus. He will forgive you every single time. His, our conscience sprinkled. And, and, and isn't it great to lay your head on the pillow at night to know that you're, 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 you're free from the bondage of sin? Your past isn't held against you. And if you're here today or watching online and you're tormented with your past and your failures and the things you've done wrong, I want you to know if you've confessed it to Jesus Christ, if he's your Lord and Savior, you are free from the guilt of that sin. It can't bind you. It can't be held against you. Hallelujah, you're free. Free from a guilty conscience. And when we do fail, we do fall short, we come to him, we confess. And as I, I referenced in John, it says he'll forgive us every single time. Having a guilt-free conscience and free from sin's pollution. He says having our bodies washed with pure water. What's this in reference to? Well, the priest, before he would, uh, he would go into the, uh, and carry out his duties, he would have to ceremonially wash himself and put on clean clothes to go about his duties, symbolizing that uh, he, he was, he was uh, cleansing himself from pollution that had attached to him. And so 
the writer here says, free from sin's pollution. We, we, we should constantly have tender hearts before God because we fall short, don't we? We fail, we sin. And so, Lord, I, sometimes we just need a spiritual bath, don't we? You ever feel that way? And man, you, you know, we're, we're in this world, but not of it. And, and we, 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 we hear things around us and, 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 and the, 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 the filthiness and the godlessness and the language and the things around us. And, and we just become, and we, we can even become almost insensitive to that, you know? You ever notice over time, sometimes you just, so much of the filth of this world, we, 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 we don't even react to it like we used to because we've just become desensitized to it. And, and, and so, so we, we need a spiritual bath now and then. We need to be free from sin's pollution. It will always be around us and we'll always have shortcomings. But, but we need uh, to, to pray the, the, the prayer of King David. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. That needs to be a constant prayer of the Christian. Amen. Getting close to God. In a study recently, 727 randomly selected adults who identified themselves as Christians, 601 of them pastors, 69 of them worship leaders, uh, were polled, and it was found that one, only one in three of them reported that they had Excuse me, one in three reported they had never experienced God's presence while in church. And two in three were not able to describe to the survey takers what worship is. Less than half of the participants was reported worship, that worship was a top priority in their lives. And only one in four described worship as something people do for God. Barna, the pollster, said, Americans make worship services a self-centered activity. Of the reasons given to researchers on why they go to church, 47% were self-focused, listen to this, 29% were God-focused, and 2% had no focus at all. Barna adds, we view ourselves first and foremost as consumers. Americans always looking for a deal or what's in it for them. Yes, church, when we come together, the fellowship is wonderful. Yes, when we enter into praise and worship and we hear the word of God, we're edified and we're blessed and we're, we're instructed and God moves upon us. Those are wonderful blessings. But we forget sometimes we're here to draw near to him. We're here to bless his heart. We're here to worship him. We're here to focus on him and draw near to him. You see, things happen when we draw near to God. Our lives change for the good. I, I have this say, you've heard me say it many times. I said it a few weeks ago, when God, we allow God into the innermost places of our lives, he, he likes to rearrange the furniture sometimes. And we don't always like that. We, we have things like they are. But good things happen when we get close to God, draw near Let's not worship him from afar. Let's draw near. Let's get close to God. Not only on Sunday morning, but every day of our lives. So we press in and maximize our potential as Christians, first of all, by getting close to God. Secondly, by holding firmly to hope. Holding firmly to hope. 
Look, look at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. The, the Greek word translated into English, unswervingly, literally means without leaning, without doubting, without letting go. I've said this before, you know it's true. It's easy to, be, to have faith in God when everything's going well, isn't it? If I've said that once from this pulpit, I've said it a hundred times. We know that. Things are going well. It's easy to have a smile on our face. It's easy to say, I trust in God. Look at what God did for me. I got a big IRS tax refund. Praise God. I got that promotion. Praise God. My injury healed up. Praise God. Oh, God is good. God, I trust in you. What about when I had that huge bill I didn't expect and I don't know how I'm going to pay? Is it more like, praise God. I, I trust you, Lord. You know what I mean? A little, little less enthusiasm. Or that sickness. Or that relationship problem. Or we lose our job. Or some other difficulty. Or all our car breaks down and we don't know how we're going to get it fixed. Our appliances break all at once. How many know they break in clusters? Amen. Murphy's Law of Home Appliances. How firm is our hope then? How firm is our trust then? Lord, I'm going to trust you. Lord, I'm going to believe in you. Someone said tenacity is a pretty fair substitute for bravery and the best form of tenacity I know is expressed in a Danish fur trapper's principle. The next mile is the only one a person really has to make. Some of you know the story of Dave Reaver. Great man of God was serving in, in the military in Vietnam and he was on a ship in battle and he uh, pulled the pen off a phosphorus grenade to throw at the enemy. He was on a ship. And just as he took that grenade back to throw it, a sniper's bullet hit that grenade in his hand. Immediately his whole body was set on fire. Now he had been a Christian, the only Christian in his whole unit of 60 men. And he had witnessed and, and they made fun of him and everything. And when that... that uh, bullet hit that phosphorus grenade, his body was set on fire. He jumped into the water, but because it was a phosphorus fire, it kept burning in the water. He jokes about it. He says, I burned all my skin off. He said, I was beside myself, you know. Uh, he was loaded onto, his body was lo loaded onto a helicopter to be uh, helicoptered out. They had his dog tags and they were actually going to practice, it sounds a little more, but they, they, they would drive them into the, into the gum line of when a person was dead, just so they'd keep the dog out with the person. And they, the guy went to do that, figuring he was dead, and he grunted. He said the guy almost fell out of the helicopter. He was airlifted to, to, to Germany. He was in a burn unit. Uh, he was the only one there who survived. He said uh, he watched... Uh, as wife after wife would come in 
to the bedside of others who were there in the burn unit, take off their wedding rings and leave it by the bedside and say, I can't handle this. He said his own wife came in, looked at his, because he said he didn't look human, his face was swollen out to here. Totally unrecognizable. Looked at his chart to make sure it was him. Looked at him and said, well, you were never that good looking anyway. broke the tension and loved him. And, and, and one thing I, I neglected to mention was as soon as that bullet had hit that grenade and his body was on fire, as he's jumping into the water, he yelled out at the top of his lungs, I still believe in you, Lord. Amen. God spared his life numerous surgeries. If, 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 if you aren't familiar with this story, there are more details. Look, up, uh, look him up online, Dave Reaver, R-O-E-V-E-R. He does great work for veterans and wounded warriors, great man of God. But in the darkest hour, he said, I still believe in you. Let us hold unswervingly, without leaning, without letting go to the faith we have. You see, we have an advantage today. We have a lot going for us. We serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we don't always understand I'll grant you, we don't understand why he lets some things, uh, the negative things happen in our lives. We don't understand things we wouldn't want in our lives. But I can tell you this, he knows what he's doing in your life. The Bible says he doesn't allow more upon us than we can handle. And you will go through your trials. You will have severe trials, but he will be with you. He'll be that rock. He'll be that one you can have faith in, you can trust in, you can hope in. Let us hold unswervingly. God, I'm going to trust you. Like Job said, though God slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. Hallelujah. And God restored him to a better state after his trial than he was before. Hallelujah. We can trust him today. We can trust him. You may be here. You may be watching online. And you may be going through deep waters. You may be in the valley. You may be suffering. You may be hurting today. But I want you to know, uh, if God is your God, you can trust in him. Don't give up hope. Don't turn away. Uh, don't uh, lose faith in almighty God because he is with you. And he will bring you out to the other end of your trial. Hallelujah. You can trust in him. Hold firmly to hope. Hold firmly to hope. What's the third way we can press in and maximize our advantage as Christians? By helping others succeed. It's not all about us. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. The first way we can help others is what I like to call nudging them to do good. You ever have somebody give you a nudge? Maybe you're sitting in church service and the preacher says something and it kind of backs up what you've been saying to your spouse, right? <laughs> did, you, did you catch that? That reaction tells me, yes, you know what I'm talking about. The, the, the word here translated spur in NIV is, in the, in the Greek means to stimulate or excite. It's usually used in the negative. It means to provoke. But here it's used in a positive way. To nudge somebody. To spur them. To, to, to kind of edge them on a little bit. 
I said to you last week, we were not designed to serve God alone. And this is one of the reasons. Because we need help. Do you know that? And when I say we, I mean you and me. All of us. We need help. We get a little bit off track. Or we get a little lazy spiritually. And we need somebody to nudge us. Hey, make that right in your life. Hey, you need to be using your gift. Hey, you need to take care of this. Spur them on to love and good deeds. Sometimes we need to do that. We need to help. Why? Not, not, because, not because we're know-it-alls. And you have to earn the right to speak into somebody's life. Come on. They're not generally going to receive it if you just come at random like you're some spiritual authority who has it all together. We don't spur one another on uh, with the idea that I have it all together and I'm going to show you how to do it. Right? Because all of us, I don't care how spiritual we fancy ourselves, how long we've been serving God, all of us, or I should say none of us have it all together. We are all fellow strugglers. Come on. But we can say, hey, you know, we're close and here's what I've found. Here are the mistakes I made. I want to help you not to make the same ones or to stop making the same. We, 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 we're, we're just fellow strugglers helping one another. We need each other. Uh, we help others succeed by nudging them to do good. Secondly, by not abandoning them. Okay, everybody's saying, here it goes. Here's the pitch for church. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I believe in coming to church. I wouldn't be pastoring if I didn't. But it's about more than that. It's about meeting together, not just on Sundays, but being a part of one another's lives. The word for give up, let us not give up meeting together, literally means desertion or abandonment. See, we think of coming to church or being involved in a church in terms of what I get out of it. Right? Uh, yeah, I, I don't feel like being part of it. I just, uh, you know, I, I can watch it online. I can just kind of do my own thing. The Bible says that's abandoning other Christians who need us in their lives. You ever think about that? Pastor Tim, now you're messing with me. I was with you till now. And in this case, there were possible reasons the Hebrews didn't go to church. There was likely persecution. Perhaps the delay of Christ's return that they thought was imminent and uh, was taken longer than they thought. Possible connections to the Jewish synagogue or uh, the catch-all, which applies to us in 2023, just apathy. We get apathetic sometimes, don't we? How do we help others succeed? By nudging them to do good, by not abandoning them, by being present in their lives, whether on Sunday morning or at other times. And thirdly, we help others succeed by encouraging them passionately. He said, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Encourage is a form of the word. This is, this is so uh, uh, powerful. Encourage is a form of the word parakaleo, which means to call to one side. 
Any, anyone know who, what, who the word parakleo is used to refer to in the New Testament? The Holy Spirit. He's the paraclete. It's from two words, para, along, uh, and, and, and cleat, to, to call, kaleo, to call. Parakaleo, the one called to our side. That is the, who the Holy Spirit is. And the same concept is used here uh, to encourage one another, to come alongside one another and encourage them. Say, you can do it. You can make it. In uh, 1979, excuse me, um, after, after that, in 1979, Lou Brock's career ended as a Major League Baseball player. Lou Brock was, at the time he retired, the all-time leader in stolen bases. Several years later, along came uh, a base stealer named Ricky Henderson. Some of you baseball fans remember Ricky Henderson. On the day that Ricky Henderson broke Lou Brock's all-time steals record, you know who was in the stands? Cheering him on, Lou Brock. He said, in the days leading up to the, 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 when the record might be broken, I'll be there. Do you think I'm going to miss it? He said, I'm going to be rooting for Ricky to break my record. That's called encouraging someone, cheering someone on. Galatians 6 says, bear one another's burdens. Church, we have the great privilege of coming alongside one another and encouraging one another. And I can't tell you as pastor how many times you all have encouraged me. Did you know that? Hopefully I've been able to encourage you from time to time. And we're called to encourage one another. Uh, one, one final story, a lady named Jean Nidich was desperate to lose weight. And so she was given a, a diet devised by her doctor and it was only going so-so, and she still had 50 pounds to go. So she invited six friends who were also struggling with their weight to her home to share the diet and talk about how to stay on it. Their group grew into a worldwide phenomenon called Weight Watchers. And she tells a story of how uh, she had a heart to encourage people in that way. She said when she was a teenager, she used to cross a park where she saw mothers sitting on the bench gossiping while the toddler sat on their swings with no one to push them. And she said, I would come along and give their kids a push. And she said, you know what happens when you push a kid on a swing? Pretty soon he's pumping his legs and he's moving and he's doing it all by himself. And she said, that's what my role in life is, to give people a push, to encourage them, and to see them going on their way. We need each other. We need to encourage one another, bless one another. Not point a finger when someone's uh, down and out, but to bless them and to encourage them. Sometimes to correct them, but, but to encourage them and to help them along their way. Conclusion this morning, we said at the outset we have... Uh, some great things in our favor. We have some advantages today. We have a way into God's presence. We're not restricted. We're not kept out, but we can come into the very throne room of God. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for that today? We also have a great high priest who intercedes for us, who represents us to the Father. Hallelujah. He's in our corner today. He's with us. He's for us. Hallelujah. 
How do we press in then and maximize our potential? Take advantage uh, of what we have in our favor. First, we get as close as we can to God. Press in. Press in. I encourage you today, whether you're here in the sanctuary watching online, let's not be passive servers of Jesus Christ. Let's be ones who press in. Pastor Tim, I, I don't want to get fanatical. I submit to you that being passive about our faith is about a million times worse than being fanatical. Thank you for that one amen. I'd rather have someone point a finger at me and say, he's a fanatic for Jesus Christ, than have him point a finger at me and say, I didn't even know he was a Christian. How about you? Press in. Press in. Get close to God. Hold firmly to hope. Secondly, don't waver. God is on your side. No matter how bad it gets, he will not fail you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. Hallelujah. Trust in him. Say, Lord, I'm going to trust you no matter what happens, no matter what fails, no matter how little is in my bank account, no matter how bad I'm feeling today. Lord, you're a faithful God. I don't understand everything you allow into my life, but Lord, I decided a long time ago I'm going to trust you and I'm going to hold on to hope. As long as there's a God in heaven, there should be hope in our hearts. Thirdly and finally, we need to help others succeed. We are not here to serve God in isolation, but we need to encourage one another. Yes, sometimes nudge them. Uh, a lot of times encourage them and just be there for them. Hallelujah. Encourage one another. Give them a push sometimes. Let them know you're there. Give them a helping hand. Support them and bless them. Hallelujah. Let's press in. Let's press in. Let's draw close. Let's get, let's, get, let's get serious about God. Hallelujah. And I, I don't say that as, as, a, as a, uh, you know, a, a kind of a subtle way to criticize. Uh, I, I know we're here because we love the Lord. I'm just encouraging you today. Let's, 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 let, let's not take this time to just kind of sit back and become passive. Let's press in. Let's become, let's become more passionate about Almighty God.